Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am in the illustrious, the wonderful Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Shalom, shalom. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Man, I'll tell you what, we got exciting stuff going on uh, here at Beit Tehillah. Uh, we're still on the afterglow from last night. We had Eve Harrow here, podcast to be coming soon, just so you guys know. Um, and we just had a great time. Uh, if you guys did not catch that, we will go ahead and post the live stream for you guys so you can uh, circle back and watch it. But she had a lot of very interesting, cool things to say, so I recommend you go and listen to it. Um Obviously, this Shabbat coming up, we have the Torah portion, Pekudei, which means reckonings. And you can find this Torah portion in the book of Exodus. Uh, It's the last of the book of Exodus. It's chapter 38 and verse 21, all the way to the end, which is chapter 40 and verse 38, all about the tabernacle. Wow. Woohoo! Well, Pekudei, reckonings, yeah, once again, Exodus chapter 38, verse 21 through chapter 40, verse 38. Uh, once again, the number 40, 40 chapters means testing. <clears throat> so once again, we're having an incredible story here, uh, you know, that we're, that we're looking into. Once again, this particular book can be broken up into two parts. Uh, verses, uh, of course, chapters 1 through 18 in Exodus would be deliverance. Chapters 19 through 40 would be worship. So uh, we're actually going to be moving on quickly here. Uh, I'm going to have Ryan begin to read the sum of the tabernacle right out of the gate. Exodus chapter 38, verse 21 through 31. The sum of the tabernacle. All right. This is the sum of the tabernacle, even of the tabernacle of testimony, as it was counted according to the commandment of Moses for the service of the Levites by the hand of Itamar, son of Aaron, the priest. And Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, made all the Lord commanded Moses. And with him was Aholiab, son of Ahissamach of the tribe of Dan, an engraver and a cunning workman and an embroiderer uh, in blue and in purple and in scarlet and fine linen. All the gold was occupied for the work in all the work of the holy place. Even the gold of the offering was twenty and nine talents and seven hundred and thirty shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary. And the silver of them that were numbered of the congregation was a hundred talents and a thousand seven hundred and three score and fifteen shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary. A becca for every man, that is half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary, for every one that went to be numbered from twenty years old and upward for six hundred thousand and three thousand and five hundred and fifty men." And of the hundred talents of silver were cast the sockets of the sanctuary and the sockets of the veil, a hundred sockets of a hundred talents, a talent for a socket. And of the thousand seven hundred seventy and five shekels, he made hooks for pillars and overlaid their chapeteers and filleted them. And the brass of the offering was seventy talents and two thousand and four hundred shekels. And therewith... He made the sockets to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and the brazen altar and the brazen grate for it and all the vessels of the altar and the sockets of the court round about and the sockets of the court gate and all the pens of the tabernacle and all the pens of the court around about. 
Awesome. We believe in the public reading of scriptures. Remember, whatever you speak comes towards you. Whatever you hear, you repeat. Whatever you write down comes to pass. Just a few little nuggets there for you. Uh, once again, we have Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, uh, of the tribe of Dan, who is an engraver and a cunning workman and an embroiderer in blue and in purple and in scarlet and fine linen. Uh, here's a gentleman who was in charge of the tapestries. You know, Bezalel would be in charge of the furniture and everything like that, and the, the hardware and all of that. And of course, we have a gentleman, uh, Aholiab, who would be in charge of the tapestries. Notice, an embroiderer. So uh, that's what was on the, of course, you want to look at the curtains. Uh, cherubims were embroidered on the curtains right before the Holy of Holies cherubs, the cherubim. And cherubim is a, a class of angels that are very high up in the echelon of God. And of course, angels are meant to serve God. And, of course, they come in many different um, styles. You know, you have a messenger angel like Gabriel. You have, uh, of course, Michael, the archangel. So very interesting things happening here in regards to this being put back together, the sum of the tabernacle. Uh, so once again, Bezalel and Oliab, they use their gifts, Ryan, to help build the tabernacle. So here's a great question for those of you that are listening. How are you using your gifts in the kingdom of God? Discuss. Mm. So, what do you think, Ryan? Look at your personal life. The, what, what are your gifts that you think that you have that you're using for God? Uh, well, so I would say uh, leadership is is one of the gifts. That That's God right. Has given. Share with everyone what you're doing at the church. Yep. Uh, the podcast. You know, I mean, here That's you're right. listening to podcast. my voice, right? That's right. Uh, networking with other believers, I think, is a big deal. You know. That's right. Outreach. Yep. Uh, serving, serving here at the church, the greeting ministry. Greeting ministry. And uh, and then last but not least, I would say investing in not only this congregation but also in other evangelical causes. Um, other men in the congregation. Right. Exactly right. Awesome. You know, think about that, everyone. You know, if you have these gifts and you're sitting at home, what are you doing with them? Oh yeah. How sad is that? I'll tell you, I've never had more opportunity at Beit Tehila ever in my life than now. I mean, we're talking about the church, the synagogue, the public sector of life, Ryan, and I know you're actually involved in some uh, Christian organizations, and you're, of course, uh, sharing the message of the Hebrews of the Christian faith with those as well. So just be thinking about that, everyone. You know, God, you know, uh, he, he brought you out to bring you in, to be in a community, to help others, to use your gifts, you know. Yeah. And we should do it with joy, with great joy. Uh, moving on here, there's, there's of course, uh, as we look, there are, um, I guess we could say, there are actually um, three precious metals used in the construction of the tabernacle. Three precious metals, which are gold, silver, and brass. Once again, three distinct different metals. Kind of reminds me, you know, of the Olympics. Mm. You know, you had mm. three different awards. Uh, something that comes to my mind, I want to encourage all of you, that uh, God is not a socialist. Uh, he's just not, you know. And, uh, and so I'm only sharing that because what came to my mind as we looked at the three uh, different medals, three means divine of the Lord. It brings to mind the three different offerings that you can bring to the Lord. Uh, some, of course, you would say w could be flower or a bird. That's all they could afford. Uh, anybody can do that, I would think. Uh, number two, uh, there were those that would be like a lamb or a goat. Uh, that's like the next class. And last but not least, uh, there are those that could bring a bull or an ox. You know, uh, If you break these three offerings up, Ryan, we actually literally see three classes of people. Hmm. We see the poor, the middle class, and the rich or the wealthy. So you're saying that God doesn't feel the burn? You know, he does not feel the burn. Bernie Sanders needs to really rethink what he's saying and doing. 
whether it's hidden or not, known or unknown. But the bottom line is that, you know, you can't lump everybody together. Yeah. You know, you're either righteous or wicked. There's no gray area, you know. You're, you're, you know, and I love what Yeshua, he was carrying the cross, and the women were coming alongside. He's carrying this cross up to, you know, to, to, to finish the job, to take away our sins. And it, there's one reference where he actually says, the poor you will always have. Ooh. You know, and, and, and what comes to my mind is that as you go throughout your life and throughout your day, be be careful that you uh, watch out for the poor, the homeless, or those that are yeah. panhandling or need money. Pray about it, you know, and some people would say, well, if I just give them this money, they're going to go buy alcohol. Well, if God puts it on your heart to give, give. I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, just keep that in mind. Of course, even the Bible says we've entertained angels unaware. So any of, the, any of these things can pop up. So three means divine of the Lord, and so we're going to have a count here. Um, actually, we had 603,550 men gave a half shekel who was 20 years old and upward, Exodus 38, 26. Now, that's a lot of men. That yeah, is a, a lot. lot of men. And so once again, we're, we're, we're summing up the tabernacle here, and, uh, and, and so we see things are coming together. Uh, there's even, uh, we're going to talk about some uniforms you know, let's let's look at uh, Exodus chapter thirty-nine, uh, verses one through fourteen. I'm going to have Ryan read that as well. The making of the priest's clothes, once again, contained within this tabernacle, is a priesthood with a dress code. That's right. And of the blue and purple and scarlet, they made cloths of service to do service in the holy place, and made holy garments for Aaron, as the Lord commanded Moses. And he made the ephod of gold, blue and purple, and scarlet and fine twined linen. And they did beat the gold into thin plates and cut it into wires, that the work to work it in the blue and in the purple and in the scarlet and in the fine linen with cunning work. They made shoulder pieces for it to couple it together by the two edges was it coupled together. And the curious girdle of his ephod that was upon it was of the same according to the work thereof, of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine twine linen, as the Lord commanded Moses. And they wrought onyx stones enclosed in ouches of gold, graven as signets are graven, with the names of the children of Israel. And he put them on the shoulders of the ephod, that they should be stones for a memorial to the children of Israel, as the Lord commanded Moses. And he made the breastplate of cunning work, like the work of the ephod of gold and blue and purple, and scarlet and fine twine linen. It was four square. They made the breastplate double. A, a span was the length thereof, and a span the breadth thereof being doubled. And they set, it, they set in it four rows of stones. The first row was a sardius, a topaz, and a carbuncle. This was the first row. The second row, an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. And the third row, a ligure, an agate, and an amethyst. And the fourth row, a barrel, an onyx, and a jasper. They were enclosed in ouches of gold in their enclosings. And the stones were according to the names of the children of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engravings of a signet, every one with his name according to the twelve tribes. Wow. Here it is. We have the uh, uniform of the high priest. He is set apart. He has got some special clothing to wear, does he not? Uh, and and it, it goes to a special person. The high priest is a special person. Once again, this is a type and shadow of Yeshua, uh, him, of course, being our high priest. Remember, we cannot come to the Father except through the Son. So once again, I guess we see here that uh, 
in regards to uh, the priesthood wearing special clothing, it, it actually goes on to talk about uh, the other priests that are not the high priest, what they would be wearing as well. Uh, it was pretty much all cotton, all white, uh, you know, even with their, uh, their robes and everything like that. We won't get into all that. But once again, the tabernacle and the priesthood had a uniform. You know, I always say that, uh, you know, when you go to church, you should at least look decent, you know. Uh, Flip-flops and tank tops and stuff like that, I don't think that, that that's acceptable. But, you know, once again, I'm going to be 52, and I am actually uh, Generation X. I'm not a baby boomer, but I do respect the baby boomer's standard. Um, because, you know, when you're a slouch, you're a slouch, you know. And uh, if you can't really realize what's going on or what's happening or the image that you have, uh, we make a sad mistake, you know, just come as you are. You know, it's kind of interesting, you know, I thought about that. Some of these church signs, just come as you are. I want to take a family picture of all of us in our pajamas. Well, how, okay. How does that look? So, so to that end, that's an interesting point you bring up. Uh, the whole idea of come as you are, I think built into it is, uh, but don't stay that way. Um, this is true. Is inferred because I think that what happens is when you come to Jesus Christ, he's going to invest in you and you're going to change and improve. Um, now, obviously, the clothes that you wear, I mean, there's many different opinions about it. Um, can you wear uh, a tuxedo t-shirt, right? Can you do that or, or um, you know, so on and so forth? It just, it just depends, right, on what your opinion about it is. Right. And we've talked about this before, but there's no doubt that you should bring your best to the Lord. And however you feel it is, if you're satisfied in your heart... Uh, led by the Spirit of God and His Word, that that uh, you're giving your best to the Lord, then Amen. Go you on. You know, raise the bar. That's what that's what I say for all of us. You know, personally, we need to raise the bar. Yeah. And and, to, and we know when we bring our A game or not. Um, so once again, we're going to look into the uh, breastplate. Uh, how many rows of stones were on the breastplate? Uh, that's going to be three, but four per column, right? So it's well. I mean, up here, if you look at Exodus yeah. thirty nineteen, how many rows of stones were on the breastplate? I believe it's four. It's four rows. With three. Of three. That's right, because four times three gives us 12. That's right. If, if Yeah, so once again, uh, three stones in each row. Uh, Exodus 39, 14, Ryan, if you could read that in reference to these beautiful stones on the breastplate of the high priest. Let's read Exodus, Exodus 39, 14 again. It's, it says here, And the stones were according to the names of the children of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engravings of a signet, every one with his name according to the twelve tribes. Wow, this is a big deal. You know, uh, even on the shoulders of the high priest, six tribes were on the left shoulder, six tribes on the right shoulder, on the shoulders of this high priest, which represents Yeshua, on the shoulders of Yeshua, he carries us. You know, the tribes are not lost, everyone. God knows where they are. We always, you know, are referencing or curious about the lost tribes of Israel, but uh, I want to submit to you that they are not lost. God knows where each and every one of them are. Uh, what we can do is we can deduct that the Apostle Paul was sent to the Gentiles to pull out a people for his namesake, the Lord's namesake. And with that, is it's very interesting because what we're taught and what we see is Paul has this olive tree. And the natural branches, of course, were broken off for unbelief, and we were grafted in because of our belief. But how much more will the natural branches rejoice and come to fruition when they see Yeshua as the Messiah as well, because he's the root of the olive tree. I only bring that up because so many people are saying, hi, you know, I'm from the tribe of Naphtali, or I'm Dan, or this or that. And, and it's funny how, you know, uh, when you look at the commonwealth of Israel, we can probably break it up in, in the, into two uh, sections, Jews, non-Jews, or Israel, and then Judah, 
you know, but like I said, the Northern Kingdom, Southern Kingdom. But as far as saying, well, I'm this tribe or that tribe, that's that's probably jumping the gun a little bit. But once again, you have to identify yourself, you know, as a natural branch, I believe, or a wild branch. Kind of clarifies a lot of things in that regard. You'll yeah. be safe if you do that. Of course, Ephesians 2 references the commonwealth of Israel. See, once we were far away, Christ has brought us near. That's so right. we have to do it His way. Sure. So if we want to be Israel in the eyes of Yeshua, there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. So for those of you who listen to the podcast, if you're not Jewish, don't try to be. You know, Jesus is Jewish, okay? He, and so, you know, he's from the tribe of Judah. But I'm saying to all of you listening that it's okay to be a wild branch because we know you live up to that expectation. You, wild thing, I think I love you. <laughs> but I want to know for sure. But I want to yeah. know. Yeah. Now, this, it goes sure. on to describe the, uh, the outfit of the high priest as well that there were bells and pomegranates uh, on the hem of the robe of the high priest. Very interesting. So, bells would be like a signal, mm. bells ringing. Yeah. And uh, I remember doing Mass as an altar boy, and when they would lift up the host or the wine, they would ring the bells. Um, and um, very bells. interesting stories in that regard. Um, but once again, pomegranates is like an antioxidant. They say there's like 613 seeds in each pomegranate, give or take. Uh, that's a lot of seeds in a pomegranate. Yeah, it is. I wouldn't mind just maybe cutting one open and literally counting them. I mean, you, Maybe you, we could do that as a homeschool thing for Asher uh, and the kids. Maybe you should try it and then let me know how it goes. Why don't we just send an email out to your wife and kids? <laughs> so here we have that. The beautiful thing is uh, there was a crown of pure gold that the high priest wore, and it was a holy crown of pure gold. Uh, what, was, what was written on that, Ryan? So it said, holiness to, uh, to the Lord. And here, here's, I guess, my question to our listeners. Here's my question. Holiness to the Lord. Wow. Does it say Whew. holiness to the Lord across your forehead? And if it doesn't, what does it say? Um, I think that, you know, the battlefield for our souls is, is inside. It's in between our ears, right. and it's, it's inside our chest and our hearts. And so the question here is, uh, what is the message on your forehead? Is it holiness to the Lord, or is it something else? And if it's something else, what is that? And you, you know, know, if the Lord's asking us to be holy, then we should be holy. Amen. You know, and if they ask you, what's your favorite cheese? You should say Swiss, because it's the cheese with holes. It's holy cheese, Ryan. Now, this is something to think about. What Beit Heal is doing in our community is building a strong community, raising the next generation. But what I want to submit to all of you is that we're a microcosm. We're just a small part of what God is doing in a larger scale. But we get to be a part of it. You know, we don't want to be narrow-minded. What's the paradigm here? We're having access. I want everyone to understand this. In the Hebrews of the Christian faith, we, we tend to be a little, you know, haughty. We tend to be a little selfish uh, uh, with our own little ways. God forbid if I have to, you know, work with others or another congregation. But I'm a real big-time uh, proponent of building bridges. So with that, we're having opportunities out there in the public sector of life, Ryan. We're having opportunities with the synagogue and with the church. I'm telling you, I just, I just got back from a conference uh, for two days, and I got to be in a room full of pastors. And like I said, I got to share about um, you know what our, what our vision here is at Beit Tehillah, how the Father is allowing us to have a conversation and a relationship with the Orthodox Jews of Israel, and... Uh, and uh, it's very interesting, you know, uh, an Orthodox Jew asked me, would you say that you're leaning more towards uh, the, the Jews in Israel or the Jews in America? 
and I had to say the Jews in Israel. And they were like, yay, yay, you know. So that's really what's happening. Now, uh, in Exodus 39, 43, it says, And Moses did look upon all the work, and behold, they had done it as the Lord had commanded. Even so had they done it, and Moses blessed them. You know, I love Daniel's prayer. He said, we have sinned. He didn't say, you guys sinned, he sinned, she sinned. We have sinned. So what's it going to take to, to bring about the restoration of the regathering of the whole house of Israel? It's going to take all of us. And, and it's not that we're fully seeing everything in a clear picture, but you know we see through a glass dimly, it says. But when that which is perfect has come, that which is done in part will be done away with. So we're putting these pieces together, and it says, And behold, they had done it as the Lord had commanded. They. So it's a shared vision, Ryan, like you and I do in the podcast. And I, I want to compliment you and thank God for you, because I couldn't do this podcast on my own. Now, I could probably force my hand and do it and make it happen, but you inspire me to do it, and you show up every week, and so that is a plus. You're so stuck. No, it's true. Stop. It really is. I'll be honest with you, and yeah. I'm learning this. Oh, Man, God. if I could do something with others, I'd rather do that. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, for me to step down for Monday nights and not share the Torah portions anymore and to facilitate the small groups, it brings the greatest joy when I see my facilitators on fire and excited about going over the, the outline with the others and getting others to read and participate. It's incredible. It's what Jesus calls discipleship. Oh, yeah. It's discipleship. Spiritual reproduction. Absolutely. And so we can really, really see some cool things here. So we're going to continue on here. Um, but like I said, you know, the question is, in our, in, our, in our group for discussion was, how important is it to bless one another, Ryan? How uh, important is it to bless one another? And there's different ways to bless one another, don't get me wrong, but how important is that? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think this, the, the law of sowing and reaping is what comes to my mind. Um, you reap what you sow. So when you sow blessings into others, then you harvest blessings from others. If you sow curses into others, then you're going to reap curses from you others. You know, it's like there's this thing called random acts of kindness. Yeah. And uh, pay it forward. Sure. You know, it was interesting. My my son and I were somewhere, theme park or something, and, and uh, this woman was trying to go through her stuff or whatever and, and order or whatever, and she stepped back. And he was like, no, no, take your time. You, you can order something. And so she looked at him. She says, well, you get whatever you want. I'm going to pay for your food. Aww. So he comes over to me, and he says, that lady just bought my food. <laughs> I said, well, thank you. You yeah. know, <laughs> Can you buy my food? <laughs> um, pay it forward, right? Kindness. Pay it forward. Pay it forward. <laughs> you will pay it forward. Come on, come on now. You can buy me my food. But I only say that because you could tell someone, hey, you're a blessing. You know, when people... Uh, at the service, I find myself, and, I, and I'm being honest about this, you know, um, they'll come up to me and they'll say, hey, how are you doing? I put my arm around them or give them a handshake. But I'm like, I say, I'm so glad you're here. That's my favorite thing to say. Yeah. Because it is. It's true. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. You mean it depends on the person, right? Well, not really. Because <laughs> just it's, kidding. Yeah. But I'm just, I'm just <laughs> saying that. It means a lot because if you're not there, yeah, you miss you miss things. That's right. You know, and so to be able to say, "Hey, man, somebody appreciates me being here." Yeah, you, you know, know, I'm going to come back to that point a little later. Actually. But anyway, that's just my my close on that. You know, there's so many ways to bless one another, and, and and let me just tell you this: if God puts somebody on your heart, do what He says. Yes, He might say, "Give them a card, give them a call, give them some money, give them a gift card, or tell them something." Man, don't waste any time. 
Don't quench or grieve the Holy Spirit. Jump on it. I could tell you story after story after story. When God says for me to bless somebody or do something, even if it's a little difficult or you're not sure if you're hearing from God, trust me, do it. It'll pay off in the end. Because see, if you hem haw around, you won't be like Abraham's seed. Because Abraham didn't hem haw around. He had quick obedience. He ran to greet the people and he just got circumcised, you know. He showed hospitality. He was quick to offer up his son. You know, that's how we have to be. We have to be, we have to respond quickly, you know, and swiftly because that's the act of obedience. So uh, once again, bless one another. Make it happen. Think about it as you listen to this podcast. Who can you bless? What can you do for, for somebody else? Yep. So as we go into Exodus chapter 40, uh, this is going to be the final chapter, setting up the tabernacle. Here we go. This is uh, going to be an incredible inauguration event. where the rubber meets the road. Uh, And I'm going to have Ryan read, um, since Tom's not here. I would love to have Tom as a reader. (laughs) But Tom's not here because he's working right now. He's working. and uh, Somebody's got to work. But you never know. Tom, if Tom shows up, we're going to have him read. Oh, man, we should do that. So let's go ahead, and Ryan's going to read until Tom comes. Exodus chapter 40, verses 1 through 12. Yeah, Tom, there's always next time, right? <laughs> so it says here, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month shalt thou set up the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation, and thou shalt put therein the ark of the testimony, and cover the ark with the veil. And thou shalt bring in the tabernacle, and set in order the things that are to be set in order upon it. And thou shalt bring in the candlestick and light the lamps thereof. And thou shalt set the altar of gold for the incense before the ark of the testimony and put the hanging of the door of the tabernacle. And then shall, and then thou shalt set the altar of the burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle and of the tent of the congregation. And thou shalt set the laver between the tent of the congregation and the altar, and shalt put water therein. And thou shalt set the court around about, and hang up the hanging of the court gate. And thou shalt take the anointing oil, and anoint the tabernacle, and all that is therein, and shalt hallow it, and all the vessels thereof, and it shall be holy. And thou shalt anoint the altar of burnt offerings, and all his vessels, and sanctify the altar, and it shall be an altar most holy." And thou shalt anoint the laver and his foot, and sanctify it. And thou shalt bring Aaron and his sons unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and wash them with water. Wow. So here we have some incredible things happening. The tabernacle was commanded by the Lord to be set up on the first day of the first month. Uh, If you want to go to Exodus real quick, Ryan... Exodus um, chapter 12. Okay, Exodus chapter yeah, 12. Exodus chapter 12 at the very beginning there. Find the reference to the beginning of the biblical months. I have it right here. Okay. It says, And the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first of the year to you. Wow. So once again, April 5th in the evening on a Friday night will be the biblical new year for 2019. Once again, April 5th in the evening... Uh, on a Friday night, will be the biblical New Year. They call it the month of Nissan. I don't know why they don't call it Toyota or Ford, but it's Nissan. They also call it Abib. On the first day of the first month. Mm -hmm. You know, how many of you really wanted to, uh, like, maybe change your your ways or start start something like a good habit uh, at the Gregorian New Year, but you missed it? Yeah. Okay, that was me. All right, what about (laughs) the ceremonial or the civil New Year, civil New Year, uh, in the fall, when you, of course, celebrate uh, trumpets, Yom Teruah, 
in the seventh month on the first day, how many of you just really wanted to start practicing something right then and there? Because, hey, it's now what? Is it 57? 79. 79? Mm -hmm. How many of you started a good habit? Okay, I didn't. (laughs) Now, from my understanding, and I haven't researched this because I did miss another opportunity, folks. There's the year of the trees. I missed it. So here we go, everyone. (laughs) And I'm not going to get into my personal stuff, but I am going to say this, though. And I don't want nobody to hold me to this. <laughs> Only in your prayers. I'm not making a, a, Y'all pray a statement. For him. I'm not really making an oath or a vow or anything, but my wife and I are wanting to do something that we need to be doing for our family that we kept putting off, putting off, putting off. Uh, You're going to say make a budget, aren't you? <sighs> okay, budget. I'll just tell you. <laughs> it's like a bad word. So we have to do budget. a budget. And I'm going to kick this thing off. Nissan one and the biblical New Year, bro. Come on, somebody! I, I'm gonna really, I am, I'm gonna do it, and I don't want nobody to hold me to it because I don't want to answer to you. Okay, I just don't. I mean, this is between the Lord and I. Yeah, and I'll let Ryan. Help so, me out. so y'all so, can, if y'all want to email your encouragement for Pastor Nick to Ryan at topraise.net about his budget, um, I'll pass those messages on to him. Yes, along with my own poking <laughs> and prodding. You know, I want to encourage you because every time we do these podcasts or get into the Torah portions, I want to tell all of you something. As a pastor and a a man, I am challenged all the time by the Word of God. I am just challenged that here's something's going to happen. Something's getting ready to kick off, you know. And to have Eve Harrell from the Land of Israel Network, who, who is an Orthodox Jew from Israel... You know, kick this thing off right before Purim, the new feast cycle, the new oh, biblical yeah. new year. It's almost like we're doing it right. Oh yeah, you know, we're greasing the skids. I, I love do it. agree that you're challenged. I, I am challenged. <laughs> I am challenged in many ways, more than one. So let me just encourage all of you, man. There's just something we got to be challenged with. God, God loves challenges. Yeah. Um, and of course, moving on here, they anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it. Uh, that's what they did with the anointing oil. They anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it. Remember now, anointing means to set apart. Remember they anointed uh, the priest to set them apart. talks about the oil flowing they down. Pour, yeah, they pour, pour oil So it's on to them. set apart. Uh, and it reminds me that even the kings were anointed. That's right. Uh, remember King David. That's he, right. Samuel anointed King David. And I, you know, it's um, funny, I've seen, you know, just as a side note, and this is just maybe the way my brain works, but I've seen several different reenactments of that in, in different movies and like how they like pour it on them and like it runs over their eyes that's or, true, the beard. or they, or they pour it and like it, they have some special way of doing it to where like it runs around their eyes or whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm just hey, like, listen, it's the real deal, man. You know, like you want to be anointed, right? Like Lord anoint me, but like just, you but know. you know what, Ryan, this is what's so funny. It's like, and I just want to share this. People don't like the ceremonial laws and I'm like, that's what gives you protocol. That's what positions you for 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 preparing yourself, you know. Yeah. If you know I'm going to be anointed with oil and, and and not only that, but look at this. Well, you know, to that end, Jesus actually went to the cross. He didn't just like, you know, spiritually say, "Oh, you know what? I did that in spirit." And no. He was anointed. He did the it. The woman anointed him with, <laughs> he with the did alabaster it. of oil. That's an incredible story. You know, moving on here though, cuz they anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it, uh, and they took of course Aaron and his sons at the door of the tabernacle, they washed them with water. Oh, yeah. Ceremonial cleansing of water. You know, I would encourage all of you, if you like these bad thoughts or a bad image, just something to think about, and give me give me your feedback. Um, and I learned this from Rabbi Messer, but you can wash your hands and close your eyes, and let. And when that image comes up, just let, let the Lord erase it. Yeah, wash and your hands when the, your when the water hits your hands, it just does something physically. Uh, it takes it into the spiritual realm. There's something about you know washing your body, washing your hands right. uh, to become clean. But they washed them with water, 
And because of that, the, the anointing of Aaron and his sons was going to allow them, Ryan, to have an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations. I'm sorry, what? An everlasting priesthood throughout their generations? That Exodus mean like, chapter 40, verse 15. So from that point forward? From, Absolutely. From then on. Now, huh. if, if you want to know, and I don't have time to get into it, we're not going to read it, but you can, you can reference this in Malachi chapter 2. Verses 1 through 9. The priest's responsibility was to teach the Torah. So like if you had a problem, Ryan, mm. you went to the priest. And you would, you would, you would, you'd, you'd give them your, your circumstance, your scenario. They would help you. Just like if you had a skin condition or something was going on, you had to be checked out by the priest. So what I find interesting is the enemy is trying to discredit the priesthood or the clergy. You know, or the, you know... Everyone's a televangelist. Everybody wants money, or or the priesthood's bad. Pastors are bad, or the Catholic Church is bad. They're a bunch of pedophiles. So we make all these claims because why? Because now they can go to like pills or alcohol or entertainment instead of resolving their problem to go to a spiritual leader yeah. and and humbling themselves and getting healed and delivered and set free and forgiven. They just harbor it and bury it. And just, you know, it, it's sad, you know. And so once again, you could check this out. Malachi chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Uh, it's, it's the last uh, book in the Old Testament. And then, was, I guess, 400 years of silence uh, before we come into this New Testament and everything. But something to consider. So, so the priesthood was not doing well in the book of Malachi. And so we're going to move on here. So uh, Moses placed the testimony inside the ark, Exodus 40, verse 20. He places the testimony in the ark. I shared a while ago, just last Shabbat, what three things were put into the ark. It was Aaron's rod, it was manna, and of course the testimony. Uh, what we see in those three things, it's divine, it's of the Lord. If you go to the very first thing, the testimony would be God's constitution. Uh, and we liken the mercy seat to a throne as well. Remember that, mercy seat. And from there he would speak to Moses. So it's like a throne. It's also likened to a chariot, and I don't have time to get into all that, but it's incredible things, you know. So we have, of course, three things in the, in the ark. One is the, um, of course, like I said, the testimony, the constitution of God. You have manna, which is God's provision, a little jar of manna in there. And it means, what is this? And of course, last but not least, Aaron's rod, which, of course, uh, budded. Um, so once again, we have a, a type of leadership. So God's kingdom consists of a constitution, provision, and leadership. If you take away any of those three things, you are not in the kingdom of God. Right. Uh, and it goes back to what is the kingdom of God? It's not meat and drink, but righteousness, joy, and peace in the, in Holy, the Ghost. Holy Ghost. Um, and of course, the uh, going back to the uh, labor, the... Uh, the inauguration here, or the uh, ceremony, involved the uh, involved Moses and Aaron and his sons. They 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 washed uh, at the labor, their hands and feet. Uh, it says Moses as well in Exodus forty verse thirty one. So Moses, Aaron, and his sons they washed after putting water in the labor. That's what they did. Remember the first thing the priests would do in the morning coming into the tabernacle was wash their hands and feet. Uh, Exodus 40, verse 33. I'm going to read this. And he reared up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar and set up the hanging of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. There's a saying. It's tough to swallow, especially if you're a leader with vision. But whoever gets the vision has to work the hardest. Good point. If you want to know if vision is true or not, is, is the person that has it working the hardest. 
and, and otherwise it's really not a vision. So we can credit Moses to making sure that this pattern was completed and was finished. And of course, uh, we're also going to be going into, uh, and I'm going to have Ryan read Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 through 38. This is the glory of the Lord fills the tabernacle. What a great, great, great inauguration, uh, just a grand opening here for this beautiful tabernacle. So Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 through 38, as we conclude the book of Exodus. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation, because the cloud abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in their journeys. And if the cloud were not taken up, then, uh, then they journeyed not till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, and fire was upon it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. You know, that's my prayer for Beit Tehila. Amen. April 5th, the biblical new year. Let God's glory come down. Mm-hmm. Let Him do something new and fresh for us that have the vision that are holding to, to the testimony. You know, uh, it, it's interesting because this thing is being set up. And we're talking about April 5th, you know. Here we go. We're going to be going into the book of Leviticus. Um, and of course, if you if you really think about it, we have this uh, part of our outline that we do every week. What two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion, Pekudei Reckonings? I actually put on here, number one, the pattern of God will always lead you to Him. Mm. Yeah, because so, what's at the, at, the, at the Holy of Holies? So, you know... Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. I want to throw something out to you guys. If you believe in the two houses, Judah and Ephraim are coming together, two sticks becoming one, Ezekiel 37. If you believe all of this, I want to submit something to you. Because I was at prayer, towards the end of prayer, I was on, on the front row there just bowing my head. And it seems like most of the time towards the end there is when he gives me a word, which is kind of interesting. Like, it Let is. me get my word and then I'll go. And, and I want to say this, that uh, in order to get to the father, we have to go through Judah. Now, when you think about the prodigal son, of course, what did he do? He, he, he blew his inheritance. Uh, he lived out in the world, but he came to his senses. He came back to the father's house, Ryan. And there's the big brother. So if, if we can't have Judah in our life, how can we come back to the father's house? And if we don't want to be with Judah, then we can't come to the father's house. Because Judah is in the Father's house. That's a revelation, Ryan, I tell you, that I never saw before, you know. And though the big brother kind of, you know, jumps all over the father about the younger brother, uh, it doesn't matter because we're, we're coming home to the father, uh, which is very, very interesting. And number two, the pattern of God will always bring success. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, you know. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. So as we conclude the book of Exodus, I'll let Ryan close out with his last thoughts, but uh, I put something together after 20 years in the Torah, and I'll share them quickly with you. Uh, Seven steps to the glory of God. How many of you listening right now, you want the glory of God? And let me tell you something. The glory of God is about honesty. You have to be honest with yourself. You have to be sincere. There's no fake it till you make it with God. He knows who you are. He knows what you're about. He knows your sins and your weaknesses. Confess them, get over it. But here are the seven steps to the glory of God found in the book of Exodus. Number one, To be born again. This is a picture of Israel delivered from Egypt. 
Have you been born again? Have you given your life to the Lord? So there's the step to the glory of God. Number one, to be born again. Number two, to be, of course, baptized in water, which, of course, we can see this symbolically in Israel, crossing the Red Sea, wall of water to the left, wall of water to the right, walla walla, everywhere walla. So, number one, to be born again. Number two, to be baptized. Number three, there's a marriage. So now that you're born again, baptized in water, there should be a marriage. This is where Israel receives the Torah, Mount Sinai, in Exodus 19. So here we go. Seven steps to the glory of God. You're moving forward. You're moving forward. How many of you are at Mount Sinai receiving the teachings and instructions of God? Jeremiah 31, Hebrews 8. After those days, I'll write my Torah on minds and hearts. Is that you? Well, the marriage is coming. Because right now, we're just betrothed. We're waiting the marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh, number four, we have a pattern. Moses had to build the tabernacle according to God's plan. So examine your life. How are, how are you building your life today? What's the pattern for your life? And also, is this pattern shared with others? Or could you possibly be a legend in your own mind? There's a pattern. And, and I just want to submit this to all of you. As a church, we can have a pattern. But the pattern has to consist of the Jewish people. Judah has to be a part of the pattern, or you're going to have a mispattern. You're going to have a bad pattern. So number one, to be born again. Number two, to be baptized. Number three, a marriage. Number four, the pattern. Oh, here we go, because it's like a strong vision of Beit Tehillah. Build a strong community. Raise of the next generation. What's number five? A heart check. Israel gave from their heart to build the tabernacle. So let's just say me as a pastor, if my heart becomes stony cold or, or, or whatever, my heart goes south, I really am not fulfilling the pattern. I'm really not having a healthy marriage after I've been baptized in water and born again. There's got to be a transformation. You know, the Bible says he's going to give us a new heart and a new spirit. So once again, it's a heart check. So our heart has to line up with the message. And that's the beauty of it. You know, you could sit in a service and your heart can be far from God. You could just be sitting there and not even really participating, but you're there. Get your heart involved, you know. We have a heart towards the Jewish people. We have a heart towards the peace of Jerusalem and all these things. We have a heart towards the church to serve them, love them, to, to encourage them. Amen. So that's number five, a heart check. Number six, oh, check this out. Boy, once you get this, there's overabundance. So Israel gave more than enough and there was excess. So you can literally fulfill the vision, Ryan. You can fulfill the pattern that God gives us. So that's number six. Last but not least, the tabernacle is erected. Israel saw the glory of God. So Ryan, if we take this pattern of Beit Tehillah, we can see where we have families and, and we have children and we have elders and we have the dynamics of people in different denominations coming to serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We can see the dynamics of this pattern, Ryan. It's right there in front of us. But in order for this true tabernacle to be erected, to see the glory of God, Ephraim and Judah have to come together. That's the pattern. This is where the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement has missed it. They think they can do it on their own without the Jewish people. But we're supposed to preach the gospel to the Jew first. You know, uh, Jesus is Jewish, not was Jewish. So I'm submitting this to all of you in discernment and in wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Do you have Jewish people in your life? Are you having conversations with them? You know, and I'm not talking about your doctor or your lawyer. I'm saying true, true Jewish people. So anyway, those are the seven steps of the glory of God. Number one, born again. Number two, baptized. Number three, marriage. Number four, the pattern. 
Number five, a heart check. Amen. You know, my father was a heart transplant recipient. He's going on 21 years of a heart transplant. That's incredible. Number six is overabundance. Number seven, the tabernacles erected. We've come to the fruition of God's redemptive plan for both houses, Ryan. This is exciting, and I only need two people to be excited, and I will count myself. Boom. I mean, it's all right there. I mean, that's the plan. All we got to do is walk it out, right? Heart check. That's right. So um, I did have my my two little points at the end here. All um, right, on a consensus, huh? That's right, of consensus. I consulted very hard with, with uh, me, myself, with and me, I. myself, and I. Yeah. That's awesome. All three of us. And uh, my first point was uh, it, God calls for many members but one body. There's many different people that brought things to uh, provide for the, the service of the tabernacle. And then this Torah portion is where it all comes together, and it's actually assembled and used for the first time. What about many hands make light work, too? Many hands make light work. And so the point is, everybody plays a part. And without any of the individuals that did their part, none of this could have been done, right? And so I think that's the other thing, that people think that their role is unimportant or whatever. Um, But I got to say, whatever God calls you to do, you better do it, because you may be right. Maybe God could use somebody else, but He chose you. Um, and, and he expects you to step up and do it. So my second thing was, uh, God is with you in everything throughout your journey. Uh, he says it right here at the end. The last verses in Exodus are, For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, and the fire was on it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So they knew where God was by the cloud. And so God is with you. God is with us. The question is, are you with him? Can he count on you? We have the saying around here at Beit Tehillah. Uh, sometimes we say it flippantly, but we mean it. And it is, everybody wants to be counted, but not everybody wants to be counted on. And so the question... Can qu- God count on you? And that's it. Can God of numbers. count on you? Can God count on you? And so, uh, anyways, that's, what a great Torah portion. I mean, we finished the book of Exodus, so I think we'd be remiss if we did not go through the Hazak. That's right. So you ready? One, two, three. Hazak, Hazak, Venish, Hazik. Be strong, be strong, be strong and, and may, may you be, be strengthened. strengthened. Amen. Yeah. So may you Woo-hoo! be strengthened uh, by this, by the Word of God. Um, day in and day out, get into the Word, get into the, let the Word get into you. If, if you get anything out of our, our messages and the Torah portions, it's that you need to get into the Word for yourself. Dig into the Word of God. Let God speak to you through His Word, through His Holy Spirit. Um, as you guys all know, you can reach out to us. You can email me by uh, going to ryan at topraise.net. You can uh, live stream our services at topraise.net or on our social media platforms. And you can call the office here if you need anything at all, prayer, whatever it is. Uh, at uh, 813-654-2222. God bless you guys. Have a great week.